Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Christ is in our midst. Today we begin our pre-race warm-up. The official race begins in two and a half weeks on Ash Wednesday, but today begins the pre-Lenten season of Septuagesima Tide. It is our way of entering, easing into Lent. So in the next two and a half weeks, the next three Sundays, we are basically preparing to prepare. Um, we're always getting ready for something. Uh, we learned one of, one of our children, uh, when they were little, um, didn't do so well if they didn't have time to prepare to prepare. They needed a little, you know, a lead-in. So we learned really quickly how helpful it was to say, in 10 minutes, you're going to need to be getting ready for bed. So be thinking about that for the next 10 minutes. Um, and then everything went fine. If we just said, okay, stop what you're doing, it's time for bed, you know, all hell broke loose. So um, just that little tip worked very well. So that's what Septuagesima Tide is all about. It's about us saying, okay, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to enter the great, the great fast. To help us with this, today we'll notice the tone of the liturgy shifts. We are, as you can see, in penitential purple. There are no flowers on the altar. There are no relics on the altar. The organ is not played. There was no Gloria. There is no Tadeum in the office, no Misa uh, Est at the end. But most importantly, most significantly from today, um, until that eruption of praise that we will bring forth at the Paschal Vigil, you will not hear that angelic and heavenly word, Alleluia, in any prayer, hymn, or liturgical text. It has gone silent. For the next 61 days. Now, uh, I say hallelujah a lot uh, in my private devotions. Even this morning uh, on the way here, I probably would have normally said it about 15 or 20 times. Um, I caught myself, though, and uh, I did not say it. It's not that we're not praising God, of course. We're just not using that word. And um, at any rate, we had a beautiful little ceremony last night. Um, on the eve of Septuagesima, today we uh, do this wonderful custom where we say farewell to the Alleluia, but we want to do we want to be a little theatrical about it, and so we actually uh, we had a nice little procession with the choir boys. The, the the clerics do not take part in this actually, but the choir boys we had holy water and incense and across it was so wonderful. It was really fantastic, and um, we processed out into the churchyard and we buried the Alleluia. And so uh, the Alleluia is out there in the churchyard uh, underground uh, for 61 days. We, we shall resurrect it uh, at the resurrection at Pascha. I hope that each year um, we can make a big deal out of this and the church will be full on the eve of Septuagesima because this is not just a cute little thing that we do. It's really a significant and poignant uh, beginning to this season where we bury the Alleluia. So if you're around and you're paying attention, 
it's obvious that something is up. There's a shift, a change. It's time for a scheduling and focus adjustment. The next nine weeks of your life are not just ordinary nine weeks. It's time for us to gird up, right? To do our stretches, prepare ourselves, set our hearts and our mind aright. It's time to count the costs. It's time for us to, as a family, pull out the calendar around the kitchen table and have a planning meeting. That's what it's time to do and decide what we're going to be doing and not going to be doing. Be very practical about it for the next nine weeks. I'd like to make a couple observations today about our gospel lesson. Um, <clears throat> whoever puts the titles uh, into the Bible, you know, they're not part of the scripture. I don't know who does that, but somebody puts these titles in there. Uh, for this one, somebody put the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And whether or not that's the best title for this parable or not, I do find it useful for the observation I want to make this morning. So I draw your attention to it. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. He points out that this is a story about workers, people who work. Some of these people in the story are not working. They're workers who are not working. But the story is about workers. If you're a worker, you need to be working, right? Um, that's what you are if you're a worker. You're someone who works. And the owner, at several points actually, not just once, several times, he goes out and he finds some of these workers who are not working standing around idle. And this will never do. It's not appropriate for a worker to not be working. A worker needs to be working, or else they're not really a worker. There's a problem, right? And he asks them. He asks them a, a question, kind of a rhetorical question. We could hear the question being asked today. Why are you standing idle if you're a worker? Why aren't you working? Why are you standing idle? Go to work. So if a worker is not working, what is he? Well, he's broken, basically. He's not what he was created to be. If a flower doesn't bloom, if a bird doesn't fly, if a stone isn't still, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no meaning being fulfilled in that very thing. If you are not in the race, if you're not buying and selling in the marketplace, if your hand is not on the plow, you too will be lost, basically meandering around in circles, groping about in the fog without meaning in your life. You are a character in this parable. You and I, we are the workers. And we must work. Or else we're not being and doing what we've been created for. And we will be unhappy. It is not good for us to be idle. Know ye not that they which run in a race all run, but one receiveth the prize? So run. So run, St. Paul tells us in our epistle today. So run that ye may obtain. Runners, run. Not to belabor, no pun intended, the point. But runners run. They don't lollygag. They run so as to obtain the prize. St. Paul, interestingly, in this epistle uh, lesson, he switches metaphors like that, really, almost just right in the middle of a phrase. He switches metaphors and he goes from the Christian life as a race to a boxing match. 
in which the consequences of not actively participating become more graphic. <laughs> you know, if you're in a box, if you're, if you're a runner and you're not running, you're just lollygagging around sitting under a tree. But if you're in a boxing match and you're not boxing, you're going to end up with a bloody face. Whether you know it or not, this is true. Everyone here today, every single one of us is a runner, a boxer, an entrepreneur, a vineyard worker. Every single one of us, this is what and who we are. It's what God made us to be. And we will never be happy until we start running and boxing and buying and investing, pruning and harvesting. Now the good news is this. This is the really good news. If you run, if you run, you will win. It's that simple. If you run, you will win. If you box, you will overcome. If you buy, you will get rich. If you prune, you will reap a great harvest. It is guaranteed 100%. You can have total confidence in the outcome. If only you engage. Be courageous, as we heard in our reading in Matins this morning. Take up your sword and go out into battle, and you will be victorious. Sit on the couch. Give up, quit. Well, and I don't know what happens, but I wouldn't risk it. It wouldn't be wise. Now, just so nobody gets the wrong idea about these metaphors and this theme that I'm mentioning, this is not about personality or your circumstances, life stage issues. It has nothing to do with being, you know, a loud, energetic, aggressive extrovert. That's not what this is about. It's also not about, you know, maybe you're in convalesce, maybe you're struggling with depression, maybe you're in a season of life of waiting and discernment. That's all irrelevant. All of this still applies to you, no matter what condition or state that you are in. You're still in the race. Waiting on God is not a passive exercise, it is an active exercise. We are even told that we must in the book of Hebrews, we must strive to enter rest. We must strive to rest. The metaphors of the Christian life as a call to work, run, fight, buy, sell, this applies to all of us, no matter what's going on in our life. We just need the wisdom to know how to apply it. Jesus told the Jews, he said, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Here, Jesus himself depicts himself and the Father as laborers. Paul says, I'm a co-laborer. Paul speaks of God as a laborer. God himself is working, and we are to be working with him, to enter into the labor of becoming what God has called us to become. So what a shame it would be for us not to win our race simply because we didn't run it. Because that's all we have to do. To win is to run. The second observation that I want to make today about the gospel <clears throat> lesson and the parable concerns how those who had worked all day became angry and indignant. And they grumbled and they complained. When the owner paid the workers who had not worked as long, only half the day or portion of the day, when he paid them the same amount. Here we have an owner, God himself, of course, 
The owner is kind and benevolent. He is merciful, gratuitous. He is just. And yet we've got these complaining workers. And by their malicious envy, and that's what it is, malicious envy, they begrudge their fellow workers the mercy and the generosity of the owner. And he says, this is evil. This envy is evil. He calls them evil for this. I hope upon hearing this parable today, all of us, as I did, that we will think about this. We all know envy is not good, but I hope we'll take this very seriously today. So it's on my heart to tell you, to share with you, to encourage you, to ask you to take the sin of evil seriously. This sin is particularly destructive to a community and our salvation. It really is essentially, among other things, the sin of hatred. For our brother. And hatred is the sin of murder. It's a serious sin. When our brother is blessed in any way, we should rejoice with him. We should thank God for what God has done for our brother. Think of the different kind of life you would have. Think of it just for a moment. Imagine. Imagine how different your life would be if every time someone, even an enemy, by the way, maybe we shouldn't stretch for that today. Let's just lower the bar a little bit and, you know, try for those that we love first. But if your brother experienced something good, some outpouring of grace or goodness or in their life, some good fortune, what if, what if it filled you with just an immediate, simple, uncritical joy? You were just filled with joy. I mean, it just brought a smile to your face a lightness to your step. You were just happy because somebody else, something good happened for somebody else. How nice that would be instead of envy and resentment at what you do not have. So I want to ask us all, you know, everybody, everybody in the world that doesn't fast, they're always giving something up for Lent, you know, chocolate or, I don't know, this or that. Well, we're going to fast, but let's also give something up for Lent. Let's give up envy for Lent. Why don't we agree as a congregation to give up envy for Lent? Try it. And if I'm wrong, if you actually miss being envious at the end of Lent when Pascha comes around, if you miss it and you want it back, if you want to go back to a complaining and unhappy envious person, that's fine. You can go back. But I have a sneaking suspicion that if you give it up, you'll see how wonderful it is to be happy all the time. To be happy all the time when you give this up. And to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. To rejoice when the blessings and grace of God are poured out upon our friends and even our enemies. Turn away from envy. Maybe we could pray. Lord, Lord, I accept my lot in life. I accept it. I accept the life I've been given. I accept it as an opportunity from you. Apparently it's what I need. I accept it as an opportunity from you for me to find salvation. Lord, thank you for blessing this person. Thank you for blessing them, for giving them that wonderful opportunity for pouring out your grace and their life. Lord, help me to be grateful in all things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.